drive down the street and see the same old rusty, beat-up car. One person sees the rust. <laughs> One person sees all the, all the rusted-out areas on the car. And, say, and look at it and say, that old piece of junk. But the other guy or girl sees the same car. And they see past the rust, past the dents, past the missing parts. And in their mind's eye, they see a classic. They say, if I could get my hands on that car, I'm going to put some elbow grease into that car. And I'm going to work on that car because I see what it can develop into. I don't see it for where it is. I see it for what it can become. Are y'all seeing me? Two people can see the same house. One person sees an old dilapidated house, an old dilapidated barn and says, that place is worthless. I wouldn't go in there. But other person says, boy, I see that. That can be an event center. I can host weddings and all kind of what, what do you call them things? Hoedowns. And then what they call them? Hoedowns. Shindigs. I can host some stuff in that place. And I'm going to work on developing what I see with my mind's eye. Well, the same thing happens when it comes to human beings, people of God. That one person can look at you, or you can, you can look at someone else and see all their negatives, all their flaws, all their deficiencies, all their shortcomings, all their inadequacies, see them that you just as dumb as rocks, and you can see all those negative things and say, you ain't never going to be nothing. You ain't no I know this is bad English, but y'all just let me do it. You ain't never going to be, you, you ain't never going to have nothing. You ain't never going to go nowhere. You ain't going to amount to a hill of beans. And, an, and another girl come along and see the same guy. And say, you know what? He got a haircut and a beard trim. Could you, could you imagine him in a suit? She looks with gleaming starry eyes at the same guy. So, yeah, but I see what he can be. I see some potential. She sees a king in him. See, this is the danger of, 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 of as parents, um, Letting your children be left to a school system. I'm not telling telling they can't be in a school system. I don't think they should. But if you're going to take them there, don't leave them to the school system to direct your child's future, to determine your child's potential. Because to that school system, they're a number. They're, as I heard some people say in the school system, a butt in a seat. And every butt in a seat is worth dollars to that school. So they're not interested necessarily in their development, but more so their presence. I just need them to be present. I don't need them to de develop and achieve. I just need them to be present. So we can keep getting these checks, these extra checks for, when I hear the numbers of what these school systems get, what schools get, if you have children that are certain, they get certain uh, 
letters behind their names and stuff like that, all that kind of certain services, it's astronomical, which is why they try to push all the kids on that. And all they're doing is piling on, piling on negatives, piling on deficiencies, piling on shortcomings. And you keep telling a child, you dumb, where they're gonna, they're gonna keep starting out seeing themselves as dumb. But you let somebody else see them and say, no, you know what, I see a potential in you. I see a future in you. You can be somebody. You just need a little bit of work over here, a little bit of adjustment over You just need somebody to work. You just need some help over here. You're gonna be somebody. You're gonna be something and you're gonna have something in life. I see you going somewhere. That person becomes a potential pusher. And when that person gets a child in their classroom, they're not just going to let the child turn in that little sorry paper. They say, that's not your best. Do it again. And the child go home, mama, this teacher don't like me because they make me do it again. The child, the mama don't get mad at the teacher. You need to see that the teacher is trying to help you get that child out of your house eventually. So, so that child won't be on your, on your sofa at 45. I'm going to push your potential. I want you to become something. Are y'all with me this morning? There are other people who look past the present. They focus on someone's strengths, someone's intangibles, and that person's upside. They focus on strengths. Okay, what are you good at? Everybody ain't sorry at everything. Oh, y'all help me over here. Everybody ain't sorry at everything. There's something they're good at. That child, oh, he don't hardly do his homework. I can't get him to do his math. All he want to do is play that old, play that old, that old uh, uh, keyboard. That's a strength. Don't beat that out of him trying to get him to do math. Encourage the math, but pour your energy into the keyboard. Can I, can I, can I help y'all business people? I'm going to ask a question. Can I help your business people? In business, one of the mistakes that people make is when they have a weakness in their business, they start putting all their energy on their weakness. That's not how you become successful in business. In business, where your strength is, put all your energy in your strength. Y'all, I'm, I'm giving you this for free. Take it. Act, act like you enjoy it. Put all your energy into where you're strong. Where you're weak, the strength will balance out the weakness. Now I've got to really work on this area. No, 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 no. Where you're strong, it, it, in, other words, in other words, if I sold, y'all got, can I borrow three more minutes? If I was selling uh, hot dogs, chicken wings, turkey necks, and, 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 um, and french fries. Hot dogs, what I said? No, hot dogs, chicken wings, turkey necks. Okay. Now, if, if the turkey necks are like my worst seller, I don't start trying to promote the, chicken, the turkey necks. Put all, 
go and buy all kind of advertisement to promote the turkey necks. If the chicken wings is my best seller, I put all my advertisement money behind the chicken wings because that's my best seller. That went over your head. You focus on the strengths. What you do is you drop the turkey necks from your menu. All right, y'all don't want to hear that. Drop the turkey necks from the menu. <laughs> Glory to God. I told you God has to use people outside of us sometimes to challenge us and correct us and push us beyond our comfort levels. Because we all have a certain level where we're comfortable. We're only going to go so far in what we do. So God has to bring people who will push us beyond our comfort levels. I don't have time to read it, but if you remember, we read uh, actually a couple weeks ago about in Hebrews 11, 32 through 34, about this man named Barak. The Bible says, you know, what more should I tell you? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and David and all Jephthah and so forth, who they subdued kingdoms and they stopped the mouths of lions and they, they you know, they quenched the bottles of fire. They turned uh, alien armies to flight. They did all these great things. We read about what uh, this man, Barak, he's in that list, but you got to go back to the book of Judges, chapter 4, and you read about a woman named Deborah. Now, Deborah's not listed in Hebrews 11. Y'all, watch this. Deborah's not listed in Hebrews 11. But if there had been no Deborah, there would have been no Barak in Hebrews 11. Deborah was a prophetess who God, who God sent her to Barak and said, Barak, didn't God tell you to get up and go fight this, this army? Obviously, he had some reservation about that. Obviously, he didn't feel he was qualified or ready, prepared, or, or up to the task. But because the woman of God pushed him, she said, hey, God told you to go. He said, okay. He said, okay, I'll go. But I'm only going if you go with me. She said, okay, I'll go with you. I'm going to go with you. So in other words, I'm going to go along the way. So notice with that video we watched, the coach didn't stand way back and say, go, Brock. Go, Brock. No, the coach. Come on, Brock. Come on, Brock. Come on, Brock. You can make it. Five more, Brock. Come on, Brock. So God has to bring people sometimes around you who they're going to stick with you and say, come on, come on, come on. You can make it. You can go. You got more. There's more in you. I know it hurts. I know you want to quit, but don't be weary in well-doing. You shall reap if you faint not. Come on, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. So Deborah, the prophetess, went with him. And she didn't, when he said, when he said okay, uh, if I go, you know, you got to go with me. She didn't say, you old sorry piece of dirt. She didn't abuse him about that. She said, okay, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. I know you have the potential. And I know people like to say, yeah, but see what happened is she told him that Sisera was not going to be defeated by her. A woman's going to get the glory. But Hebrews 11 doesn't mention the woman's name. What was her name? Jael? Jael is the one that actually killed Sisera, the, the leader of the enemy army. But the Bible doesn't list Jael in Hebrews 11. 
it lists Barak, which meant God was trying to do something through Barak. But Barak needed a potential pusher to push him to become what God called him to be. Remember in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 6, we read about a man, in fact, in, in Hebrews 11, another man we see named Gideon. Gideon, Gideon is, is listed as this man in the hall of faith in, in Hebrews 11. Yet, if you go to Judges chapter 6, Gideon didn't just go on his own. He was afraid. He was hiding. But God sent an angel, not a human being at this time, he sent an angel that appeared to him and said, hey, you mighty man of valor. Now here is Gideon, he's hiding, and in fact, Gideon goes on to say, who, who am I? He said, my clan is the weakest clan, the smallest tribe, and in other words, he's, he's naming all of his inadequacies, he's naming all of his insufficiencies, he's naming all of his incompetences, he's naming all of his shortcomings, he's naming all of his issues, he's naming every reason why he can't be the man. He's saying, he's saying, he's giving all the reasons why he ain't him. But the angel said, you are him. You are him. You are him. But you just need a push. And the angel of the Lord called him, you mighty man of valor. In other words, he didn't see him as a weakling. Although that's how Gideon saw himself. He didn't, see, he didn't see Gideon as a nobody, although that's how Gideon saw himself. He saw him and called him a mighty man of valor. So what happens is when you're a potential pusher, you see someone as, what God, as the way God sees them. So even when your child, your son, is being a knucklehead, you got to call him, hey, what's up, man of God? Y'all don't, y'all don't. This, this ain't helping anybody. <laughs> your, your son is acting a fool. Your daughter's acting a fool. Hey, woman of God. Hey there, queen. Hey there, king. Many years ago, when, when our, our son was uh, first born, uh, bro Brother Tony, Brother Tony, who was my mentor in faith uh, for years, many, many years, he's up in heaven with Jesus now, but uh, he began to, to as, as he was coming along real close, he was my mentor, pushing us, and Lord knows, he pushed me, pushed us way past our comfort level. I, my wife would tell you, there were days he made me cry, made me cold, grown man cry. And I ain't no punk, I ain't no sissy, I ain't no homo, I ain't none of that. I'm a man, try me. But he made this grown man cry because he pushed me past my comfort level. But Brother Tony, uh, when, it, when our son was born, he, he, uh, he um, taught me this. He said, he said, refer to him as sir. From, from a little boy, from the time my son could understand uh, our voices, we called him sir. He said, he said because you have, to, you have to instill in that boy, in that child, that he is somebody. Y'all please allow this. Because society, 
society will push your sons the other way. First of all, they're going to push them into being punks. Sissies, homos. Is that offensive if I say homo? Homosexual, y'all. Faggot. Whatever, I, I don't care. YouTube going to strike me, that's all right. Or they're going to push them into being an ignoramus that has to be led by a woman. Y'all, come on, way back at me, way back at me, way back at me. Way back at me. And in this house, I intend to raise no punks, no sissies, and no yellow belly men who their wives lead them around by the nose. No, y'all better talk back to me, man. No, you're going to be the head of your house. I said, you're going to be the head of your house. Carrying no purse. <laughs> I better not say that, y'all. Men like to carry your wife's purse around you. I'm a, I'll hold your purse for a moment. I'll hold it for a moment. Baby, you can carry no purse. I don't want there to be any questions. Carry your own purse. I'll, I'll hold your purse while you get me some tea. But I'm not messing, not messing, not That's a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. Pastor, you going too far now? So Gideon had to be pushed. Now, I want to read this particular text here, 2 Kings 13, 14 through 19. We, I preached it some time ago, last year, I think it was, uh, maybe this summer. 2 Kings 13, 19, 13, 14 through 19, about a man named King Joash. I want you to see this text. It says, Elisha, that's the man of God, Elisha, remember him, prophet? had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Keep going. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Okay? Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it, and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. So now, notice Elisha now is covering him. Elijah is now in the role, not just of prophet, but a mentor to him, okay? And he said, open the east window, and he opened it. Then Elijah said, shoot. Elijah said, shoot, shoot your shot. Tell your neighbor, shoot your shot. He said, shoot, and he shot. The king of Joash shot. And he said, the arrow, this is he now, Elijah said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. So, so in other words, this, sh this shot that you shot was a prophetic act talking about how God's going to deliver you from the Syrians. Now, he's mentoring him. He's a potential pusher. Now, watch. Then he said, <clears throat> excuse me, take the arrows. So he took them, Joash, and he... Elisha said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. In other words, now shoot your shot again. Take your arrow, shoot your shot again. So he struck three times and stopped. Now watch the potential pusher. 
And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it, but now you will strike Syria only three times. So notice Elisha, the man of God, the mentor, the pusher, got angry at the mentee because he didn't fulfill potential. He stopped short of what he should have done. And so if he got angry, he didn't say, he didn't, he didn't get angry and said, you should have struck five or six times and then. No, if he got angry, he said, man, you should have struck five or six times. What you doing? I guarantee his voice, his blood pressure was all elevated. And he, I guarantee he spoke harsh to the king. Now I'm saying it to say this, that when God puts people in your life and they come at you hard, don't be some childish image of a person saying they came at me wrong. No, they, they didn't come at you wrong. They came at you hard. They came at you right. But right is hard. Y'all better wake up now. You better get this here. Because people get offended and leave a church. People get offended and unfollow you on Facebook. People get offended and unfriend you on all that stuff if you came at them wrong. Am I now your enemy because I tell you the truth? Remember the apostle Paul said that? He said, am I now? Y'all liked me when I, when I was saying this good stuff, but he said, am I now your enemy because I tell you that your, your dress is too short? Am I now your enemy because I tell you you need to stop quitting every job you, you take? Am I your enemy because I tell you you need to pay your bills and you need to go take a class and go to school? Am I your enemy because I keep pushing you to, hey, you need to exercise? You need to eat better? Now all of a sudden you don't like me because I came at you wrong. I didn't come at you wrong. I came at you right. But right is sometimes hard. Anybody back in the back listen to what I'm saying? I ain't seen nobody say nothing so far. Tell your neighbor, it ain't wrong. It's right. But right can be hard. In other words, right is the stuff you don't want to hear. And it's that which you don't want to hear is what you need to hear to push you past the 50. If you want to get all the way to the end zone, somebody has got to get behind you and push you and push you and say, hey, get up earlier. You can't sleep that much, man. You can't. You know the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1 that God blessed mankind and said, be fruitful. Be fruitful. Be fruitful. Be fruitful. I know y'all, you ready for me to finish? Multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it. But be fruitful. He doesn't just mean keep having kids. 
some of y'all done, right? Yeah. That's me and my house, we are done. Bring on the grandbabies. In time. But fruitful means produce. Multiply means reproduce. Be fruitful and multiply. Produce and reproduce. You can't be lazy and produce and reproduce. You can't sleep that much, you can't sit that much, and your doggone show men can't spend all day playing video games. Put down the Madden, put down the, what's all, I don't even know the games. I, Call of Duty, Fortnite. Pac-Man, they don't play Pac-Man no more. You know you old. Uh, that, man, that man said Pac-Man. What are we gonna say, Donkey Kong next and Asteroids and Crocker? Come on, come on. Pastor, you're right, tell these men. Women, get off your cell phone games. Yeah, you ain't playing the big, the big console you got on your cell phone. Laid up in bed all night playing games and you ain't. House nasty, your children need a bath and everything. You. But see, if nobody tells you that, then we don't really love you. Whom the Lord loves, he corrects. So if I love you, I gotta say something that's gonna correct you. And the people around you really love you, they're not your friends if they let you year after year after year be on the same level. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man the countenance of his friend. So when a real friend is gonna rub me the wrong way, y'all didn't say nothing. A real friend. I watch, I watch, I watch some, some of y'all, I'm going to mess with some of y'all, but I'm, I'm good, I'm good because I'm a man of God. I, some of y'all young ladies get caught up with other young ladies right up in this church, y'all hang with other young ladies who are going to keep you right on the same level you are because that's my friend. Sister girl, that ain't your friend. What you do is you begin to disconnect from people who want to challenge you and correct you and say things that's going to pull the best out of you and you, 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 um, you, 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 um, descend down into the abyss of mediocrity. These my real friends, these my real friends, they're not. They're actually your enemy if they're gonna help you stay where you are. I don't need a kind of friend that's gonna let me walk out and I, my suit twisted. I got, not, I, don't let me walk out like that, tell me. 
and my breath stink, tell me. Tell me my breath stink. This, this might take us a couple weeks to get this, but we're going people, to. People become great because someone pushes them to develop, achieve, and succeed. I said again, people become great because someone pushes them to develop, achieve, and succeed. I saw, I, I tuned in in time to catch the uh, Heisman Trophy presentation last night. And uh, the young man who won from uh, Washington, LSU, Jaden Daniels, um, he talked about the people who pushed him. He even made, went so far as to mention his previous coaches at his other schools and thank them for pushing them. Because you, you, nev you never, watch this, this is, this is good, this is good. You never become great by yourself. And that's good. That's worth a mission right there. You never become great by yourself. Media, give me Proverbs 18, verse 1. I know this is not in the script. Proverbs 18, verse 1. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A man who isolates himself, seeks his own desire, he rages against all wise judgment. You never become great or proficient or excellent or successful by yourself. God will all if God will always put people around you who are going to push you because he knows the greatest potential he put on the inside of you. Well, y'all didn't start my clock. I guess we got to start it now. That's the media team fault. People become great because someone pushes them to develop, achieve, and succeed. I want to bring a couple guys here in modern history who some of you may know. One is Sir Richard Branson. You know Sir Richard Branson? He owns uh, Virgin Atlantic, Virgin Airlines, multi, multi, multi-billionaire. He says his Uncle Jim taught him how to harness his eccentricity into successful entrepreneurship. In other words, his Uncle Jim saw him as an eccentric kind of person, kind of kooky. And I guarantee everybody else around him blew him off and saw that eccentricity as a negative. But his Uncle Jim said, that's not a negative, that's the strength. 
Let me teach you how to harness that eccentricity in a successful entrepreneurship. And now he's a multi-billionaire today because his Uncle Jim pushed him. How many Uncle Jims have been in your life to push you? And you stop, stop hanging with Uncle Jim. Clint Eastwood, go ahead, make my day. Remember Dirty Harry? He says that his grandmother is the one that mentored him. He said, she always said I was going to be something when nobody else, including myself, thought I would be anything. My, he says, my grandmother always said I was going to be something when nobody else, including myself, that's the biggest one, including myself. Remember last Sunday, the Lord took us in this direction about dealing with spirits of containment, victory over them. And I want to make sure I bring this out. We might get back into that at some point, but I want to get this out in case we don't. That the spirits of containment don't keep looking out there. That most of the spirits of containment that we're dealing with are dropped off seeds. It's where there's fear, where there is inadequacy, low self-esteem. It's when you don't see yourself as anything. Because the biggest enemy is in a me. You didn't catch that. My biggest enemy is in a me. Is in me. Not, not, it's not so much what others are saying is what I am saying about myself. So what God has to do is he has to bring people into our lives who they don't focus on our negatives the way we focus on our negatives. We'll be telling me, you know, I can't do this and I don't have this. And, and they'll say, yes, but, but look what you do have, yes. But, but, girl, you can make a, a, a mean sweet potato pie, girl. Come on, yes, sir. Come on. But, girl, you can do some how. <laughs> you, they, they see something that we don't see ourselves. Listen to this. This is very important. It's very important. People in your environment can propel you forward or shoot you down. And you have to know in your environment who's who. Boy, this is worth, worth the price of admission right here, I'm telling you. You have to recognize who in your environment is a propeller or a shooter. Either one is going to propel me. Let me give you a scripture. Psalm 127 verse 4. Psalm 127 verse 4. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so the children of one's youth. So notice the Bible equates your child to an arrow. 
So an arrow, you can either shoot, you can propel or shoot down. All right, now watch. Watch this. Watch, watch me. To propel an arrow a great distance, I have to stretch the bow. And if I'm looking for a particular target, I have to aim such a way to make sure that arrow goes to that target. So I'm stretching and I'm pointing. I'm stretching and I'm pointing. Stretching is uncomfortable. <laughs> Stretching builds tension. In fact, physics, I'm guessing at this from my, my recollection of physics, that the more I stretch, the more potential energy I am actually storing up. Some, some of y'all physicists help me on this. Any physicists? Any physics people in the house? You, you like physics like me? Thank you. Thank you, J.D. That the more I stretch that bow, the more potential energy I'm storing. So that when I release that arrow, it goes a lot farther than it would have if I just took the bow. So I'm either propelling it or I'm shooting it down. Okay. All right, y'all understand that. Okay. How many of y'all like to fish? Let's put it in a way everybody understand it. Just the rest of y'all don't like the fish? Y'all just go to Publix, right? Just get, give me some fish in Publix. Lord, bring back the old days people like to fish. But when you fish, if, you're not, if you don't have a boat and you're on a bridge like most of us grew up, fishing off a bridge, any of y'all grew up fishing on a bridge? On a bridge, you take your rod and your reel and you, you're going to cast that, that rod, right? Uh, and you, you, you bring your, cast your line, your hook, you bring it back. You don't, you don't put it right here. You bring it back. And what you're doing, you don't realize, is you, you're, you're storing that potential energy. And the harder you throw it, the farther that hook and line goes because you're trying to get out there into the deep. And work your way back in. Now, if you don't know how to fish and you just fumble around with your, with your reel, you let that thing go and just go straight down. Bring it back up, straight down. Bring it back, bring it back straight back up. But when you release that hook way out in the distance, now as you're reeling in, the fish starts seeing that. I say, Ooh, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. I see movement. The fish to get interested. They say, oh, I'm going to get up on that. And the fish get up on that. Oh, now you got one. But it was harder work to get it out there than drop it straight down. Are y'all understanding what I'm trying to say? So people in your life who come around you, they're either going to propel you or shoot you down. Y'all got a few more minutes here. Give me John 2. Let's get in this. Let's at least break this open today. Man, if I'm going to finish it, I still got 60 minutes left on my clock. It's the media's fault. John 2. 
Now, I'm going to go through this very quickly. John 2. Because what are we talking about again today? We're talking about recognizing and becoming. So John 2, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. The mother of Jesus, that's Mary, right? Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they, had, when they ran out of wine, when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, said to him. Now, Jesus Christ isn't the host. He's a guest. The wine is none of his business. None of his business. People couldn't meet the need, that's their business. They ran out, they ain't planning on having all these people for seven days, you know, these Jewish feasts last seven days. That's their business. But notice the mother Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Well, he felt just like I felt. He said to her, woman, what is your concern? Obviously, you made this your business. It ain't your business either. You invited it's like I'm invited. You don't got concern about something that ain't none of your business. Now watch, he says, your concern, what does that have to do with me? He says, my hour, my time has not yet come. Now watch, because Mary is a potential pusher. His mother said to, his, to the servants, to the servants, Jesus said, this is not my time. None of my business. It's none of my business. But she ignored that. She's going to push him past his comfort level, past what he feels is his readiness level. She's going to push him into a season that he didn't think was ready. She said, now to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. He said he wasn't involved. She said, whatever he says to you, do it. Now she's going to put him on the spot. You got to say something. Are y'all, are y'all seeing this? I, I, I want y'all to sit at the table. Sit at the table. Sit at the table with Jesus and his mother. I want you to sit at the table. Just get, get in. Jump in. Remember I told you last week? Jump, jump into the text. No, no, to see, see him. He's, so, so imagine she says, she says, son, they out of wine. What are they going to do with me? What's your concern going to do with me? It ain't my time yet. Whatever he says to you, do it. Can y'all see his face? Mom, mom. What, what you doing, mom? I'm just told you it's not my time. Come on now, if that was you, that's you. Mom, what are you doing? I told you. Oh my. oh my. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? What am I say? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? Now remember, he's a man. Human. Which means when she put him on the spot, now he got to search. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. She told, told him what I'm going to say now. Everybody looking at me. The whole wedding is looking at me. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Hmm. 
Oh. Dad, you got to help me here. What do, I, what do I say? She said, whatever I say, I'm supposed to say something? What am I supposed to say? Are y'all saying this? She knows the potential. Now, hold your finger there and go back to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Because there's a background story. He says, it's none of my business, it's not my hour, this ain't for me to be dealing with. But there's something she knows. And she knows he knows it. But he ain't ready to move on it. But son, I'm here to push your potential. Luke 126, now in the sixth month of Angel Gabriel, this is Christmas season, ain't it? was sent by God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David. The virgin's name was what? Yeah. Keep going, please. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Be blessed are you among women. Keep going. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, Consider what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, uh, for you have found favor with God. This is good here. I'll get to that later on, if, if possible. And behold, you will conceive your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Yeshua. Now watch this, verse 32. He will be great. This is the word she heard about the son she didn't even have. <laughs> he will be great. So what she heard that this child was going to be somebody. She didn't know yet what all that meant. She knew that he was not going to be an ordinary child. I mean, remember at the moment, she's just now gathering all this. She's like, okay, what is this? She's sitting there like looking at her like, what? Angel, who, who are you talking to? What, 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 what are you talking about? She hears, hey, Mary, smile, girl. You got favor with God. She's like, ooh, me? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to have a child. I'm going to have a child. She first process and then I'm going to have a child. You know what she said later on. I don't even have a man. Come on, I have a child. Well, she had a man, but the man hadn't had her yet. They were doing it right. I say they were doing it right. I tell all my, my daughters, two feet, two feet. He'll be great. He'll be great. And we'll be called, my son too, two feet. And we'll be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Since I don't know a man, the angel said to her, he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who has been born will be called the Son of God. Keep going. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived in her, uh, a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month of her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold the maid, servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. All right? Now I'll stop there. I'll stop there. What's the first thing she hears? He will be great. 
he will be great. Now, what's happening? Mary is a virgin, and like all virgins in Israel at that time, they knew the scriptures from Isaiah. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a child. And they all, I'm sure, had these back of their mind hopes that they'd be the one that God chose. But she didn't see herself as anybody, and this angel, Gabriel, pushes her potential. Y'all, you're seeing this already. The angel says, you favored one. You're going to have this child. God loves you, girl. God's smiling on you. And then she goes, how shall this be? I don't know, man. What she's saying is, naturally, I don't have that potential. And he says, yes, but... You have favor. He called her a highly favored one. And if the favor of God is on your life, it blows your natural potential out of the water. I wish I had some help on this side over here. If the favor of God is on your life, your natural potential is not your limit. Because favor will do for you what your natural ability cannot do for yourself. Somebody say the favor of God is on my life. Now don't just say it, believe it. I want you to say the favor of God is on my life. Now that being the case, that blows your natural potential out of the water. You can do what you didn't think you could do because it ain't just you doing it. It's the ability gift of God coming on you, giving you the ability to do what you could not do without his ability being on you to do what you can do. Say it again, Pastor, I can't. Whatever I said, just get it. That is God's ability gift on you to do something that you can't do on your own. His favor is on my life. And he said, woman, Girl, you got the favor of God. Well, how this going to be? The Holy Ghost going to come on you. He's going to overshadow you. And he's going to make something happen that you don't need no man's, I'm going to say it properly English, you don't need any man's help to get it done. Whereas you think you need somebody to help you, I'm telling you, you have what it takes. You and God are going to do something big. Well, you prophesy to that person next to you, tell them you don't need somebody else's help to do this thing right here. God's giving you everything you need. The Holy Ghost is going to be all over you. You have the favor of God. And what's going to come out of you is going to be great. It's going to be great. All right, let me hurry up. So she looking at what she didn't have, he identified her intangible factor is favor with God. Now watch this. Everybody say potential pusher. <laughs> Give me verse um, uh, 30, where we leave off? Where we leave off? 30, 38, 39? Go back, go back up there, please. Now Mary rose, arose in those days. Remember, he had told her, he said, your cousin Elizabeth, who was called barren, is now in her sixth month. You know what, Mary? What? Because they didn't have Facebook. There was no text. What? My cousin? Elizabeth? 
is pregnant six months in? Yes. Wait, she was barren. Yes. And she old. Yes. But she is pregnant. What? Well, be it unto me according to your word. Because if, you, if he can get my cousin pregnant, she barren and old, then surely he can do anything. See what happened? That testimony pushed her potential. So many times God will bring somebody to you and have them tell you about someone else's victory. Don't get jealous. Say, God, if you can do it for them, you can do it for me. So then what does she do? She gets her tail up from where she is and hightails it down into where Elizabeth is. Go down here. Go down to verse 39. 39. Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. That means that Elizabeth's baby, because Elizabeth, had, she's six months in. Her baby had the ability to leap. Mary, Mary don't even know she's pregnant. Y'all get the catch. Mary doesn't know she's pregnant. All she's heard is that you're going to have a baby. The Holy Ghost is going to come on you. She, she didn't, she didn't, she wasn't laying there one night, all of a sudden she felt this. Oh, that's the Holy Ghost. He's doing it. That's nasty. All y'all folk who around here talking about demons coming and having sex with you, you better get out, get off them crazy movies you're watching. I mean, too many Christians walk around talking crazy, talking about demons coming in, having sex with them. Stop that foolishness. Stop watching these foolish YouTubers telling you that kind of crazy stuff. They're spirits. They can't do that. Stop it. Stop it. Demons came and laid with me. There's, there's, there's some dreams you having. That's that's you having. You <laughs> so Mary, I know she's pregnant. She gets down to Elizabeth's house. Elizabeth's baby, John the Baptist, we know him as, right? Leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he went down. Uh, it's happened. Uh, go to the next verse, verse 50, uh, 40, 42. I'm, I'm sorry. I should have told y'all that. Well, let me just tell you the story. So Elizabeth says... She begins to prophesy. How is it that the mother of my Lord should come visit me? Mother my, mother my Lord? Wait, that means Elizabeth hadn't heard about Mary. Mary hadn't heard about Elizabeth. But the moment Elizabeth felt this leaping, the spirit of prophecy came upon her. Wait a minute. You're the mother of my Lord. So Mary has to go, mother of your Lord? I'm pregnant? Can you see this? I'm pregnant. So what my point is to you is that she went and got around someone else who can help push her. And say, girl, look, if it can happen to me, it can happen to you. She can, she can look at Mary and say, Mary, you know me, girl. You know me. 
You know me. You look, you look at me. You know me. You know where I came from. You know God brought me a mighty long way. You know God changed my life. You know I used to be strung out. You know I used to be an alcoholic. You know I used to be this. You know I used to be nobody. And look at me. That, that's what God does. He gets around people who have experience of overcoming, experience of increasing, experience of seeing God's hand move in their lives to say, if God did it for them, he can do it for you. So their testimony is to push you. The testimony of Jesus Christ is a spirit of prophecy. Y'all got it? Let me wrap up right here. Let me wrap up right here. Let me wrap up. Let me wrap up. Let me wrap up. So she stirred up. Give me um, Luke 2. Now, remember, I'm trying to get back to John 1. I'm going to get back right back there. I'm going to get to John, John 2, rather. Give me Luke 2, 51, 52. Because I'm showing you what Mary was dealing with Jesus' whole life. Then he went down. Jesus, um, um, remember he, he, they had gone to Passover feast and the parents left and they forgot about their son? You know they were nervous. You know the parents were nervous because like we left God's child here. Oh Lord. You know they all, God, please forgive us God. We, we left your child. We can't, we can't find your child, God. Right? <laughs> so they finally go back and they find, whoo, we found God's child. We, we're not going to die. And, and it, it says, so Jesus said, it says, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. They, they had seen how he was talking to the uh, scribes, lawyers, all these people, asking, answering questions. And she kept these things in her heart. She remembered what the angel said, he should be great. She's watching him at 12, operating on a level that's beyond normal. And so she punishes things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So now, go back to John 2. So Mary, she knows there's favor on her. And the favor that was on her is now on Jesus. And he's increasing. She remembers these words. He will be great. She remembers these words. He will be great. So at John 2, when they're sitting there, Laquanda, at this wedding feast, and the people ran out of wine, they didn't budget enough. She immediately looks at Jesus and says, they're out of wine. What's in her mind? He'll be great. Everybody else, he's a regular human being. But in her mind, he will be great. She's been pondering things in her heart since he was 12 years old. She's been carrying this around. He'll be great. And for the next 18 years, She's looking at him. Okay, when? When you gonna when you gonna step out? When is that time? When is it? All of a sudden, now they're age thirty, they're sitting at this wedding feast, and we got a dilemma. We got a big problem. The natural tendency is they're out of wine. Well, go down to ABC. <laughs> Call Uber drinks. Or just call a party, it's over. 
Everybody going home. But she said, no. Uh-uh. He will be great. She knows the potential that's in him. And she says, they have no wine. He says, woman, what is this issue? You know the story now, right? What does it have to do with me? She said to them, she, y'all, y'all catching this now? Do you see the picture? Remember, in her mind, he'll be great. So she's going to let his negative response, she's not going to allow his resistance stop her push. See, if you become a potential pusher, when you're trying to push somebody, you don't let their negative response to your push stop your push. So I got to catch this. I don't just want you to, to recognize it. I want you to become one. That if they don't respond properly at first, you don't just back off and say, well, just forget it. Or you're going to keep pushing. No. Now you know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm going to do now, son? Son, I'm going to put you on the spot now. Parents, you got to do that sometimes. Put, just put your child on the spot. Mm-hmm. We're sitting at, at the dinner table, parents. You know when you sit down at the dinner table and you're going to pray? First of all, you know when you sit down at the, at the dinner table? Let's start there. You know when you sit down together at the dinner table and you hold hands? Make them pray. Put them on the spot. I don't know how to pray. Pray. And then sit there and don't, do, don't move till they pray. What am I doing? I see and I know their potential. So I'm not going to let you uh, cower down. Because you're going to be somebody. And before you leave my house, if you don't know anything, you're going to know how to pray. And so she put him on the spot, Luanda. She said, Forget, ignore that. Whatever he says to you, do it. Jesus is, you know, Jesus is a dude like us. Like, what you doing, huh? Well, now I got to get something. Now I got to come up with something because the whole wedding party looking at me. And what did he say? Go fill the water pots. And uh, they fill the water pots. You know the story. In case you don't, fill the water pots, six water pots. They brought the water pots to him. And uh, he said, now, okay, uh, draw some out now. Take it to the master of the feast. They took it. It was wine. Water turned to wine. The best wine they said they ever had. And the party kept going. Now, what was happening? His mother pushed him. Why? She had been pushed. She'd been pushed. So now she became a pusher. I don't want you pushing drugs. 
I want you pushing people into their potential. And I don't want you, and I'm not going to do it anymore either, resist when people are pushing us. Years ago, Pastor Vanell, you, you made a statement to me. It was prophetic. You spoke from the Lord, Lord's mouth. And I never forgot that statement. And it, it comes up very often in my spirit when I feel myself doing it. The word of the Lord came to Pastor Vanell. He said, Pastor, the Lord told me to tell you, never again concede to any man. Never again. Remember that? The Lord said, never again concede to any man. Well, the Lord knew my nature was to concede. In other words, my nature was, no, you go right ahead. No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm nobody. You go right ahead. Pastors' meetings and meetings with leaders across the city. No, no, you go right ahead. No, no, I, yo, yo, go ahead. Because that, that's my natural tendency is, no, you go right ahead. And people would be calling on me, Pastor Anderson, can you do this? Pastor Anderson, because, in other words, they, there are things that others see in me that I didn't and still don't naturally see in myself. And so now I've been put on the spot. People are calling me on it now to do everything. Pastor Anderson. I mean, sometimes I'm like, Remember one big, I was sitting in a meeting with about 150 pastors over in Tampa here about a month ago. And uh, I know the guy in charge. I know he's going to call me to come pray. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. We're going to have Pastor Anderson come and pray over the whole. What's happening? I'm being pushed into a place that actually, in reality, I know God has called me. But in myself, I don't feel adequate. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here about yourself? I don't feel adequate to go where I know God is pushing me. So he'll use these agitators to push me. So if I push you, don't quit the church. The reason I push you is because I know there's more in you. And what you and I have to do is to begin to push each other. No, we're not going to quit. No, we're not going to stop. No, we're not going to draw back. No, we're not going to relent. We're going to keep on going until we reach our goal, until we accomplish everything God has given us to accomplish. Now watch this. I'm going to say one last thing. Because sometimes pushing others will hurt you. Can I give you one last scripture? Give me Luke 2 again, media. Luke 2, the last scripture I gave you. Luke 2, 34. Jesus is a little baby. 
And Joseph and Mary go to present Jesus Christ in the temple to dedicate him. Luke 2.34, Simeon, who's heard from the Holy Ghost that he's not going to see death till he sees the Messiah come. So Simeon happens to be at the right place at the right time when Jesus and Mary, Jesus and, uh, Mary and Joseph show up. Notice Simeon's prophetic word. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. This is what Mary's carrying around all these years. She knows this is destiny's child. The real, not them old rump shakers. I'm talking about the real rump shakers that came out of the church, by the way. Who all came out of the church and sold their souls to the devil. For the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Now watch this next, next part. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Parenthetically. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So he's going to rise, he's going to lead to the rise and fall of many, that the thoughts of many may be revealed. But, along, but in the midst of it all that, your heart's going to be pierced. So Mary knows, how many mamas do I have in here? Mary knows, remember Jesus said, my hour is not yet come. John 2, 4, she said, my, he said, my hour is not yet come. She knows that when I push him, I'm pushing him into his destiny but into my own sorrow. As a pusher, I'm willing to let him go. I'm willing to be hurt for him to become what he's supposed to be. See, this is powerful. I don't know if y'all got getting this here. She knows that when she pushes him out this moment, it's only a matter of time before now he dies and she's going to feel that anguish of losing her firstborn child. But she knows I got to do it because I got to push him into his destiny. I got to push his potential. So there are some times when you become a pusher, you're going to have to Forget about your own comfort, your own convenience, your own feelings to push somebody else. That's the kind of sacrifice a mother makes for a child when you, you birth a child and your life is over. You, you, you can't be going to the club no more. Your clubbing days are over. At least they should be. You don't have time to be clubbing. I know none of y'all club anyway because y'all safe, sanctified, holy, was filled. I'm talking about your friends. Damn, I'm to tell, tell your friends, child, you ain't got time to be clubbing. Your child needs that schoolwork checked over. That child needs, needs intensive reading help at home. Need a bedtime and fresh pajamas. Clean sheets. And clean underwear. Yes. 
having a meal. Hot meals. You, you, in other words, you give up, you give up your own luxuries, your own things, because it's not about you. You're gonna push somebody else. So my question for every one of you in this place, as we close, one: Who are you allowing to push you? Who are you allowing to push you? Or are you shutting down, running from resisting anybody who challenges you or corrects you or rubs you the wrong way? Not realizing that that pushing is to make you better. That pushing is to stretch you. That pushing is to propel you into your destiny. And number two, who are you pushing? Who are you pushing? Who are you getting behind and encouraging? Who are you getting behind and provoking? Who are you getting behind and stirring? The Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a man of some is, but get together all the more considering each other, and this talks about stirring each other up to love and good works. That means the more we get together, I should be saying, saying, hey, Miss Michelle, how you doing out there? What you doing? How you showing the love of God? What are you, what are you doing out there? We should be challenging each other. Not, man, I'm, I'm going to go to some big church where ain't nobody going to know me because they ain't going to ask me no questions. Yeah, go hide and remain the same. Go hide and remain the same. I'm not against big churches. God's making us a big church. But I want the culture of our big church to be that everybody still can challenge each other and push each other and provoke and stir each other. Because that's the only one way we're going to all become great. Did y'all receive that today? That's all I got. Give God a praise. Give God a praise, give God a praise, give God a praise. Father, I thank you today for giving us this word. Thank you today that, God, you know how to send the right people into our lives to challenge us. We ask you to forgive us for those times where we have resisted the challenge, the correction, the push, the provoking, the stirring, the, the roughness that we've needed. We've, we've, we've drawn back from the friction and the sparks that come from the ironing, sharpening iron. God, I pray that God